Will you, if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, please. And let's go to chapter 16. We're going to cover quite a bit of scripture. And I ask you to bear with me tonight because as we go through, I'm going to, for me to take this scripture by scripture, verse by verse, we take weeks and weeks and weeks. And so to be able to bring it to you, you have to take snapshots and try and fit them together for you to understand where we're coming from. We're looking at the spirit behind the European Union. And again, even those who are in leadership of the European Union, even those who are maybe in lower leadership, I'm not even saying that they even know the spirit that's behind it. But it is the spirit that works. There's men and women unsaved and do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there's the spirit of this world. The God of this world directs them, leads them. And they need rescued. If it doesn't matter if you're a Protestant or a Catholic or whatever else, you need saved by grace. You need to be trusting in the Savior to be broken from that world's system and from the sin to be forgiven at the repentance of the cross. So please understand this is uh, just little bits and pieces. I am going to go back to part one. We're going to hover around there, but bring it a little different, just snapshots of it. So we're going to run straight through into the book of Revelation. So Revelation chapter 16, please. And just for a couple of opening verses, let's go to verse 19. Revelation 16, verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Chapter 17, please. Verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Then, if you will, go to chapter 18, please, and let your... I go down, well, let's read from verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Then let your eye run down to verse 10 standing afar off for fear of her torments, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Let your eye run on down to verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Let's pray. Father, would you take your own divine and inspired word? Lord, would you take it and give us ears to hear, minds of understanding, hearts that are receptive to your own word? Would you quicken our spirits tonight? Would you encourage your children? And Father, we pray that you would instruct us and teach us in the way which we should go and guide us with your eye this evening and the days that lie ahead. We pray, Father, for your hand to be upon this meeting. 
And Lord, I pray for the coveted anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray that he would come upon me, that I would say the things you would have me to say, teach the things you would have me to teach, and lead in the way you would have me to lead. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. We love your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for his precious blood that he shed for us on Calvary's tree. Cover us as an assembly in the blood of the Lamb this evening. And may the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be exalted in this place and lifted up and seen alone, for thou alone art worthy. In his name we ask it. Amen. If you notice through these chapters, Babylon is preeminent, the great city in chapter 16. And in verse 19, it says, And the great city was divided into three parts. When you read chapter 16, 17, and then to 18, Babylon in each chapter, you see the fall of Babylon. In chapter 16, we have Babylon, which is political. We'll look at it in a moment. And then we have the, the fall of Babylon, which is in chapter 17. Or pardon me, chapter 17, which is ecclesiastical. And in chapter 18, which is economical. So you can see there's a, a spirit behind. A spirit behind. You know, we're told by the Apostle Paul, uh, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so even those who are even unwittingly are guided by spiritual forces. Some wittingly, by the way. Some unwittingly. The breakup of the European Union is just a, a part. And the reason why we're fixated at the minute on the European Union and fixing our attention on it is obviously because of the Brexit debate. For we can't miss it in our news, in our papers, and wherever we go on the radio, and especially even today, some of the news that we are heard. My goal is not to enter into the whole inside politic of this. I don't want to do that. But rather, I want you to go home to be able to see in the Scripture, to be able to see through the Word of God what the Word of God said is behind us. It's bigger than the European Union. I'll maybe touch on it with time willing at the end because it becomes global. We'll look at it in a moment, and maybe I'll be able to mention one or two things about the global side of it more toward the end, time willing. The breakup of the European Union is forecast here. It is foretold by God himself. Remember this prophecy is history foretold. God spoke it, and it will come to pass. And history shows prophecy being fulfilled. So this isn't to make us some sort of soothsayers. It's not to make us to be able to have a magic wand, as it were, and to be able to say, this is what we know is going to happen. Not a prophet, neither am I a son of a prophet, as the prophet Amos said. And none of those things, but what I can say to you is that what I am is someone who will read the scriptures and pray and ask the Lord for his guidance. Revelation 16 and verse 19, it says, the great city divided into three parts. That's the three parts ecclesiastical, and then, of course, political and economical. And the Bible tells us about this. Babylon in Revelation isn't literal Babylon. I'll say it again. The Babylon in the, in the book of Revelation mentioned in these chapters isn't literal Babylon. Remember some years ago when 
Saddam Hussein was uh, leading Iraq and ruling over the people of Iraq, that he started to try to build a Babylon. And people were all getting carried away with it. But the Bible doesn't tell us it's a literal Babylon. There was a literal Babylon, but that was not the literal Babylon. This is the, the apocryphal, uh, the, the, the coming of the Lord, the Babylon that is there in his day. It's now, it's here, it's tonight, it's been happening. But God is still on the throne and God is still in charge. He is not taken by surprise and tonight we're going to show you that, that God knows all ahead of time. I am going to show you quite a, a few of these um, PowerPoints and this can be found, this is actually an artist's impression. This is Bruegel's artist's impression of Babylon. Genesis 11, Nimrod, the mighty hunter before God, doesn't mean he was able to kill deer and bring them home and bring an awful lot of them home or the biggest stag or anything like that. It means nothing like that. It really means that Nimrod was a man who was opposed to God and in the face of God he would fly. That is, he would do things in the face of God against God. Nimrod was anti-God, or as we would say, Nimrod was anti-Christ. Nimrod says, let us build a tower to heaven. The Lord comes down and he scatters the people. And we know the story, you'll find it around Genesis chapter 11. Here we have the famous building in Brussels where all of our laws are being made for us. You can see the very likeness of it. And this is the picture um, I hope you can see it's a little out of focus um, with the, the projector here. It says, Europe, many tongues, one voice. And yet the Lord scattered them and divided their language in the book of Genesis that they would not be able to communicate. Now Europe is trying to bring it back together again. So you can see how it even flies in the face of God and the similarity between some of these. Going through time, doing this quickly for time's sake. We've done this in our part one, but I wanted to refresh you in it if you were here. And if you weren't here, you'd know where we're going to with this. In the book of Daniel chapter two, we find that Daniel, he sees, or pardon me, Nebuchadnezzar calls for Daniel and he sees uh, his dream. Daniel tells him the dream and he starts to uh, explain the interpretation of the dream. Now, when we go to this, he says to Nebuchadnezzar, thou art the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar becomes the head of gold. That's in Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds an image of gold that all must fall down and worship him. He becomes one world ruler of a one world government. He becomes the man who is anti-Christ, anti-God. So that is Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold. Daniel 3, he builds a, 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 a tower or, or if you want a, an image of gold. And then when we, by the time we get into uh, Daniel 4, his head is puffed up and he's standing saying, look at all I've got. And God brings him down to size and makes him eat grass like an animal for seven years. Daniel 5, we have uh, Belshazzar, has Belshazzar's feast and he takes the implements and the, the instruments out of the temple that was in Jerusalem that was taken captive into Babylon. And we're told that when they're doing this, a hand comes out and writes on the wall. And tells him that his kingdom has been numbered. And that he's been found wanting being wed in the balances. And we're told that night that the Medo-Persians came. And it was Darius the Median or the Mede. And of course the next kingdom is silver. 
So here through the head of gold, uh, Daniel uh, Belshazzar was uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. And then from him that night, he was disposed. And like that, just as quick as that, there was a new kingdom involved, which was the Medo-Persian kingdom. That's the silver kingdom, two arms, the Medes, the Persians. And of course, then we have Darius the Mede and Cyrus was the Persian. In fact, it's Cyrus who writes the decree for the, the Jews to go back to, uh, into Jerusalem. And it's the, these kings uh, that, that write the decree that they could build the walls and the temple again in Jerusalem. That's the silver kingdom. The bronze kingdom is Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. He comes after that. And then after that is the Iron Kingdom, which is the pagan Roman. Now, that's important because that's the kingdom that's in power when John writes the book of Revelation. So it's very, very important. So we have the Iron Kingdom, and then we have, there's a kingdom that's feet are part of iron and part of clay. So when we look at this, we can see these kingdoms come in through time. A lot of time has elapsed. The Iron Kingdom... The Iron Kingdom here, this is the kingdom when our Lord Jesus is crucified under Pontius Pilate. And the iron and the clay at the bottom is what's known as the Holy Roman Empire. We need to focus on that because that's what's trying to be revived this moment, this day. And that's why we stand against these things. Okay, so when we go a little further, you go into Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And we see here, these creatures, that creature's a wee bit out of shape now. I don't know what's happened to him, but we have the lion, which also represents Babylon. Daniel dreams this, by the way. This is Daniel's dream. Medo-Persia is the bear. I explained this in part one. The Grecian Empire with the four wings and the four heads of the leopard. Notice the lion, the bear, the leopard. And here, it looks more like a dinosaur, but it's meant to be a, a, a beast of some sort that no one could really understand. It was diverse, I'd say, or different from all the rest. This was Rome. But in this, it had similar traits that we're going to look at as well. Okay? As time goes past, notice, if you lie the man down, here's your Medo-Persian, and here's your, your empires of the Middle East. Then here is over Greece. There's where Greece is. There's Rome here, the legs of iron, up into here, feet and toes of iron and clay. You can see how the empires start to move across that. Okay. John sees visions. The Lord Jesus gives him these, and he sees the emerging feet of iron and clay. Instead of seeing the, the iron and clay, he sees this as a different beast and a different thing altogether, but the same attributes are within it. Let me tell you what I mean. In Daniel chapter 2, we find that there's obviously ten toes and two feet. Iron mixed with clay. Iron mixed with clay. And in Daniel chapter 7, here, instead of having this, in Daniel 7, he has, you can probably not see it on this photograph, but has these iron teeth and ten horns. So it's all mingled up. No one can work it out what it is. Okay, so if you stay with me. Will you go with me, uh, if you have your Bible, to Revelation chapter 13, please. Revelation 13. Look at verse 1. 
John writes this, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. Notice the numbers, and notice this now. And upon his heads were the names of blasphemy. And the beast, remember Daniel sees in Daniel 7, his dream is a beast. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave, a th- gave him his authority and the seat and great authority. Now who is the dragon? Go to Revelation chapter 12. Let the Bible tell you exactly who this dragon is. Verse 3. And there appeared a wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon. Notice. A great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, which did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to devour, to be, to be delivered, to, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child. This is the woman Israel in being scattered now. And she brought forth a man-child, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's his second coming. And her child was caught up unto God. That's his ascension after his resurrection and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. That's the scattering of the house of Israel. Verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. There's who he is, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out where? Into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So now we know who the dragon is. Um, In Revelation 13, out of the sea. Now people think it's an actual beast out of the sea. We're going to show you. The sea in the book of Revelation is not literal sea. We hear there will be no more sea in the kingdom of God. That's not what it means. Of course there will be sea. There's nothing like down and having a nice day at the seaside. The sea means peoples. It means there will be no more turbulence among the people. We'll show you it in a little minute. Let the Bible speak for itself. So what in, in, in Revelation 13, this beast is run by the dragon who's the devil. And you can see the traits of, the, of the, the leopard, the bear, the lion, and of course the beast itself, which is in Daniel's dreams. I hope everyone's still with me. So what you remember is in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel is told, close up the book and seal it to the time of the end. In the book of Revelation, it's like two bookends. On the other side of the book of Revelation, uh, in Revelation chapter 22, um, John is told to loose the seals for the time is at hand and to show it forth. Hence, he writes this and he sends it out that the Christians with the eyes of the Spirit will be able to understand this. And those from the beast system, who's the beast system? The iron of legs. Rome would not be able to understand it. It was protection for them. That's why God gave it to them in such a manner. Notice also in verse 3 of Revelation 13. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and the deadly wound was healed. Notice a head, he's wounded to death, and then he's healed. People think that that's uh, some antichrist to come. Listen, this was, where, where, where are we? pagan Rome. This is pagan Rome. The emperor, the last Romulus Augustus was the last pagan Roman emperor. And when he was disposed in 476 AD, 
that was a deadly wound to one of these beasts. And what came out of that? The papal Roman Empire started to be uh, produced out of that. The papacy then came out of that. So he dies, and then he revives. It's from the same system. And that's what John seen that was going to come ahead of time. So we have here the kingdom traits that are through them. Ten toes, ten horns, ten heads, ten crowns. And the ten crowns in our reading of, of, of uh, uh, Revelation 17, the ten crowns are the ten kingdoms that were around where we would have the area. Around this area, so here's Rome. All around here, around Europe, this was all where the ten Gothic tribes were. The Hurley and the Vandals and the Huns and the Goths, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths uh, and the Burgundi and so on. There's ten of them, at least ten of them. And they actually turned on the pagan Roman Empire. That's what caused the deadly wound. 476 was their final date. Sixty years before the fall of the pagan Roman Empire, the, the, the Romans that were up as far as Hadrian's Wall were called back to bolster Rome. They weren't in the fall of the Roman Empire. Britain was not in the fall of Roman pardon me, the fall of the Roman Empire. Britain was out of that Roman Empire for 60 years before it fell. And hence we can even see the way we are with this revived Holy Roman Empire, as it's called, by, uh, in, in the European Union. We should not be in it because it's going to fall. And we're going to show you that. When we sing the song, I want to see uh, uh, Israel marching, I want to see uh, great Babylon fall. That's the Babylon we speak of. It's the apocalyptic Babylon. And it's not just a city of Babylon, but it's global, not just uh, the, 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 the very workings of the European Union. So these ruling powers were the ten crowns that are mentioned there. Babylon mysteries made progress. And if you look at Revelation 16, and let's just read from verse 13. I tell you, let's go to verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the waters thereof was dried up, that the ways of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now listen, the river Euphrates speaks of the Turkish Ottoman Empire. Now I'm not going to go into all this tonight. People think it's just the river. The river Euphrates is dried up on a number of occasions, by the way. It dried up actually in the book of Daniel, when, in Daniel chapter 5. That's how they got into the city with, with uh, um, Belshazzar's feast. Darius the Median dried up the river and they walked up under the walls under the riverbed. And it dried up other times as well since that. You can fly over it. We don't need it to dry up. The drying up was the Turkish Ottoman Empire that went right across the Fertile Crescent. And when the people were populated, the, the Turkish Ottoman Empire ruled that for many years with a rod of iron. We hear of Turkey in the news today. We hear of President Erdogan and the things that are happening. There's actually been more developments today. And if, I've just decided that if you're interested and you're free in our church on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, I'm going to speak on the Middle East crisis and prophecy. And I'm going to show you more about this. I'm going to talk more about there's a, other, also other nations that are mentioned in these last days that are going to start coming. And you see the alignment of nations in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to look at those, God willing, on Sunday evening in our own church. Nevertheless, I'm sure maybe Matt, you have your own church to go to and we understand that. Notice this though. It says in verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. 
Notice the dragon. Who was the dragon? It was the devil. So it's the devil moving on someone. The devil then, I don't want to go in too far into it, but the, the dragon here, it starts to speak of atheist communism, Bolshevism and Marxism, and we're seeing it in our government today. We're seeing it in Ulster today. We're seeing it in our lands today. And then it says, out of the mouth of the what? The beast. There he is again. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. We see Islam involved. Verse 14. For they are spirits of, you can read it yourself, devils. Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. Notice, and of the whole world. Spirits of devils working miracles which go forth to the kings of the earth. What's the difference with the earth and the whole world? Simple. It was the Roman earth. John's writing at the legs of iron. Remember that. John is writing whenever this beast is in power. And John is saying that this beast or these legs of iron, this pagan Roman empire, this Roman earth, he says it's going across the Roman earth. And then he says it's not only going to go across the Roman earth, it's going across the whole world, which it has done to our very day that we are in. Notice here, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus is speaking this. And he's saying, you better be ready for my coming. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. Notice then, let's just read down a bit from verse 13, just for time's sake. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such was not since men were upon the earth, and a mighty earthquake, and so great. And a great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the fierceness of his wrath. So when you see this, what you're finding here is God is telling us that Babylon is under the wrath of God. Now, if we can show you more about Babylon and that the European Union system is Babylonish, maybe you'll start to think, well, maybe no matter the cost, I'm not going into the financial things of it and I have my own thoughts on it and I'm not going into it. But maybe you have your own thoughts on it and the costs may be phenomenal. But no matter the cost, I'd rather be on God's side and be poor than to be on Babylonian side and be rich. God is going to cause this to come down. Three unclean spirits are in verse 14. Spirits of, pardon me, 13. Verse 14, they're spirits of devils. And in verse 19, the great city is divided into three parts. Now, when we say Babylon, say it's not the literal city Babylon or the literal country Babylon, although that area takes up part of it, which is Iran today. It's in Iran. For example, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2. John says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down from God out of heaven, as prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now that's not a literal big city floating down, coming down gradually out of the sky. That's the redeemed blood-wise saints of God. The, the New Jerusalem is not the old Jerusalem. It's completely different. He's speaking about those who are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Those who are saved by sovereign grace through faith, who have been to the cross of Christ. So you can see it, there's a spiritual side to this and there's a literal side to it as well. So in Revelation 16, political Babylon, that's part one. 
Revelation 17, ecclesiastical part Babylon. That's part two. And in Revelation 18, we have economical Babylon. That's part three. If you go to Revelation 17 now, please, in verse five. Revelation 17 and verse five. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the, of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. You know what this speaks of? John looking ahead of time from the pagan Roman Empire. John looked ahead of time and saw the Protestant Reformation. And he saw those who would cry, the just shall live by faith. Those who were slain by this mystery, Babylon, the great mother of harlots. And then whenever we go on to verse 18, let your eye go down to verse 18. This tells you who the woman is. It says, the woman which thou sawest is that great city. So who's the woman? She represents Babylon, which reigneth over who? The kings of the earth. So you can see it's not only uh, ecclesiastical, it's political now. And of course, with that, we go on into economical and the financial side. And what it tries to do is to gather a new world order, a one world government. The woman is that city. In Revelation 17 and verse 9, look what it says. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, if this is literal, and this woman is sitting on seven hills, she's an awful mighty big woman. (laughs) The seven hills of Rome is what John is speaking of. Actually, where the Vatican sits today, the hill of Vaticanus means the hill of divination. The hill of divination. Notice the seven hills where this woman sits is pagan Rome now into papal Rome. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 2, please. And he cried with, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen has fallen, has become the habitations of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. When we read this, we now look, we'll go there in a minute, at this, we've left here and we're here. This is where we're living in these days. And we're told that this iron and clay feet won't mix together. If you go and get something out of the garden, it's a bit of metal you're digging, and it's all covered in clay, you could wash it off and you're left with the metal, can't you? If it's dry, you can break it off with your hands. It doesn't mix together. And what you'll find is through the years, especially now with all the, uh, the, the mass immigration coming in, you're finding that Europe, and, or I should say the, the, the European Union nations especially, they're upside down. There's trouble everywhere. There's nobody at peace. 
and it's happening on a continual basis. You're also finding those who are of European uh, origin, you're finding that they are either atheistic and against the word of God, or they're liberal and hate the, uh, the conservative lifestyle of the Christian. And you'll find that they're pro-abortionists and, and gay, lob gay rights lobbyists and all of these things, and there's so much upheaval. You and I would be blind to miss this. And they're trying to get all these nations with all these thoughts and ideologies all together. And when they bring it together under one monetary system, and when they get that, they're trying to bring a, a united uh, European Union army. They want to take, um, actually, uh, in, the, uh, in the latest things I read, they want to take the very uh, uh, building, uh, the banking system out of London, which I find it hard to, to believe, and bring it to Brussels. Uh, they want to take uh, people... Um, uh, our freedoms and our liberties away. They want to be able to come with a, a police force to come over and arrest you. And it's not pr uh, innocent until proven guilty, but it's just on supposition and suspicion. And they want to bring all of these, all of these uh, things in. They want to bring all these laws and legislations in that you and I will lose our freedom. Westminster, well, it has almost, uh, until we see what happens next, it has almost become like a borough council of the European Union. And they want to bring it all in where their own laws, the sovereign court of, uh, of the United Kingdom no longer is sovereign. The sovereignty of the Queen is no longer sovereign. Whenever they would bring her in, they would make her uh, 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 simply a, a vassal person of, um, of the European Union. And see, what they want to do is they want to grab it all. They want to control every part of it. It's called the Holy Roman Empire, it's the, the Nimrod bit of you must obey my way. And that's what Nimrod was a mighty hunter before God. That's what it meant. He hunted down men who would not adhere to Nimrod's judgments. Nebuchadnezzar said, this is mine. This is my kingdom. This is my doing. Here's my idol, Daniel chapter 3. Now worship me. And that's what they're trying to do. I told you about the name Europa, very briefly before we move on. Um, Europa was a Phoenician princess. Zeus comes as a, a bull, or a, it's meant to be a beast, but a, a bull, and some say a white bull. And he puts her on his back and he takes her to Crete and on into Greece. And there he, he woos her like that. And then there he takes this Phoenician princess and he rapes her. And it's called the rape of Europa. And what happens is, the, the name Europa becomes the name of Europe. For example, I told you last time, let me run it by you again. Europa is made of two words. It's Uri's and op. And Uri's means the broad face off, to see with one eye, like two white eyes looking upon the broad face off. It means the broad face of Europe. The one-eyed system. Because op is where we get opticians, ophthalmic, and so on. So it's the broad face through one eye. Are you with me on this? He's understanding the, the symbology of it. And that's where the name Europe comes from. And of course, I told you last week about the flag and the national anthem they have and, and so on, worshipping the goddess so-called of heaven. So whenever we come here, let's look at some pictures here. This is outside the Brussels. You notice the beast with a woman on it. They've tried to dress her up a bit. I showed you this the last time. And this is in Tormelinus. This is Europa 
crown of stars here, the stars that's on the flag. This is Zeus. And then this actually is written beside it, and I read it out the last time, too long to read, but it's about what I've just told you, what happened. There's the two-euro coin for the bull with the rope on it. There's a stamp. We showed you that the last time we showed you that. Now, notice this. I showed you this the last time, didn't speak much about it. This is where we kick off from. This is a painting depicting Charlemagne, king of the Franks. Charlemagne became known what was known as the first holy Roman emperor. And crowning him, Pope Leo III, 800 AD on Christmas Day, the 25th of December. Pope Leo comes and he crowns him the Holy Roman Emperor. You may say, well, is that not what the Pope invests upon himself? No, it isn't because, you see, he needs a secular wing. So when we leave that then, we get to here. Philip II of Spain becomes, down through the years, it continues on. We have the Reformation. And then Philip II of Spain, I showed you this, but didn't speak much on it. See this globe here? And then around here, non-sufficient orbits. Non-sufficient orbits. And, it mean, and here is the world or the globe. This non-sufficient orbit means the world is not enough. The world is not enough. He got Philip II of Spain sent to Spanish Armada. 1588, repelled by the winds of God. I don't know if you can make that out there, but you can see all the ships in battle here. And this was struck up, won by the little Dutch Republic. And here we can see a house founded upon a rock. And this was by Britain. So this was to commemorate, it says, he blew with his winds and they were scattered. Now we have DVDs out there, I teach it more in detail all of this is more in detail. They're free to take them. You can take them. We're not here to ask, you know, we're not here to charge you for anything. You can take as many as you like as long as you give them away or watch them and show others. We then come to here. We have people like Napoleon Bonaparte. And then we have here, if you can notice here, just let me. This is Charmaine. Kaiser. And you can see here where it was Nazism. Fourth Reich. European Union. The Fourth Reich is a European Union. Notice here in Revelation 18. Revelation 18, verse 2. Mighty, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen and has become the habitations of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Notice, that's the cry. Now look at the warning for you and I. Look at the warning for our nation. Verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her sins, yet ye receive not of her plagues. Now do you want to listen and stay in the first one, Babylon the Great, which is going to fall? Or do you want to be partaker of it, of the plagues, and stay there? Or do you want to come out as the Lord has commanded us to do? So when we look at this, here's something I need you to see. And forgive me if it's a little bit difficult to keep up with me, because 
I'm obviously so only so much time, and this would take weeks to try and get you through all of these. Notice this. In 1950, Jean Monnet and Paul Henry Speck, they were devout Roman Catholics, and they launched what is known as the European Iron, Steel, and Coal Industry. Okay, they launched the European Iron, Steel, and Coal Industry. Now, this is their words, not mine, to bring about a union of re-Catholicized Europe. The idea was that it would be, you ready, on trade deals. Sound familiar? On trade deals at the start only. And what are you hearing today? It would be on trade deals only. This is the woman, a depiction of the woman. Revelation 18 tells us it's going to fall. Now, notice this. In case you can't, I'll read this out to you. This is pretty up to date, but it might even be greater at the moment. Greece owes 367 billion. Billion. Ireland owes 865 billion. Spain owes 1 trillion. Italy owes 1 trillion. When the UK walks away, it will apply the pressure to France and Germany's economies along with Britain. They have been propping up the EU and they will collapse under the pressure if we walk away. Spain has attempted to blackmail Britain with the whole Gibraltar rubbish someone writes. <laughs> Why do you think you're saying we want to take Gibraltar? Because they want to keep us in, trying to blackmail us. Wanting money from us to cover their debts while Greece has started Stated they will collapse when we walk away. It's not about unity or how great we are. It's about money. And the economic system is in Revelation 18. And it's going to fall. Will you look at it with me, please? I'm just going to pick a few verses out. Please read it for yourself when you go home. For example, verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth her merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and of iron of marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. Notice the souls of men are added here. Did you notice that? And amongst it all, the Lord puts in the souls of men. What's the most important thing about this message tonight? It's about your soul. It's about your soul. It's about the souls of men and women who are still there. It's about the souls of men and women who are enslaved and entrapped. It's about the souls of men and women who are under the Babylonian whore system. It's about the souls of men and women, whether they be Protestant, Catholic, or otherwise. It's, it's about the souls of men and women on the continent of Europe, in the United Kingdom, in the Republic of Ireland, and of course around the rest of the world. And that's what this is about. It's a battle for the souls of men and women. And it's up to you and I to let people know what the Word of God says. 
that men and women can be forgiven of their sins and saved for all time and eternity if they come repenting to the foot of the old rugged cross, trusting only, solely, uniquely, and completely on the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. Notice this, 1957, Paul Henry Speck, remember his name? I mentioned him a minute ago. Paul Henry Speck, who started the iron, European iron, steel, and coal industry. Paul Henry Speck received an award. Do you know what they called it? The Charlemagne Award. Who was Charlemagne? The first Holy Roman Emperor. He received the reward, and Jean Monnet founded the committees what they called the Committees of the United States of Europe, way back then. The Treaty of Rome was signed in 1957, otherwise known as the Common Market, the EEC, the European Economic Community, 1957. In 1973, Edward Heath signed the treaty and brought us in, allegedly, on economic terms, remember? We would not lose our sovereignty as a nation. Can I say something interject here? Irish nationalists, even they claim that they fought in Ireland for years for their Irish national identity. Irish nationalists are losing their identity. Even they are losing their identity. Every nation will lose their identity. In 1990, Fall of the Berlin Wall. Soviet bloc came into the European Union. In 1992, the Maastricht Treaty evolves the EEC into the European Union. Was there a people's vote on that? So going back, right back to the very start there where I said about Jean Monnet and Paul Henry Speck launched the European iron, steel and coal industry to do with nothing but trade. Look where we are from those days. Look where we are from they had said those things. Listen, I want to bring this a little bit closer to home. I'll get to him in a minute. He'd scare you, wouldn't he? Get to him in a minute. He looks like your monitor Simpsons. What do you call him? Uh, Mr. Burns. I don't watch The Simpsons, by the way. I was just saying. <laughs> a Dr. Adner and Robert Schumann founded the EEC or the Treaty of Rome, the Common Market, helped evolve it. Listen, they were canonized by Pope John Paul II. Schumann said this, these words, that he was influenced. I want you to catch this now, because this is becoming prevalent in some churches. I hope not yours. Schumann said that he was influenced by the book Spiritual Experiences by Ignatius Loyola. In case you don't know who Ignatius of Loyola is, he's the founder of the Jesuits. The EU Commission, some of these have changed positions now since I, I read this just yesterday because I lost all my notes and had to rewrite it, but I just hadn't a chance to regather uh, right up to date. But the EU Commission and the EU, notice Central Bank, 
men like Jean-Claude Juncker, Donald Tusk, Franz Timmermans, Martin Schulz, Mario Draghi, Frederica Macarini, every one of them are school-trained Jesuits. Listen to what Jean-Paul Juncker said. And this is taken from an excerpt of an interview with him. When it becomes serious, you have to lie. Now, if you've ever read the sworn oath of the Jesuit, they're allowed to do that. This is what he said also in the intro introduction of the euro coin or the euro currency. You ready? We decide on something. Now this is Juncker himself. We decide on something. Leave it lying around and wait and see what happens. If no one kicks up a fuss because people don't understand what has been decided, we continue step by step until there's no turning back. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very, very familiar. You have the Treaty of Rome and then you have the Club of Rome. And the Club of Rome were uh, a lot of uh, bankers, some top scientists, and other men of like sorts. The Bilderbergers, I'm sure you've heard the name. The George Soros, who actually... Uh, funds a lot of these lobbyist groups that you're hearing today around the world. Then there's the Rothschilds. I'll put the picture back on. There he is. Notice this. My name is Jacob Rothschilds. My family is worth $500 trillion. We owe nearly every central bank in the world. We finance both sides of every war since Napoleon. We owe your news and media, we own your news and media, your oil and your government. The like of this and these banking cartel families, they fund one side of a war, they'll fund another side of a war. And the heavy uh, inflation and, 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 and taxes that they put on that that's where he gets his wealth from. They own every, almost every single centralized bank. I wrote this down, and listen to this. A Rothschild's owned or centralized bank, how many do not, are not owned by him? Well, let me give you a clue. There are main ones, you might get smaller countries with a few thousand in it, and are under 100,000, they may not have a central bank, but the main countries of the world, there were seven, just seven, that were not owned by them in the year 2000. Here's the seven. Afghanistan, Iraq, Sudan, Libya, Cuba, North Korea, and Iran. And let's look at this. There's only three left today that don't have a centralized bank. Cuba, North Korea, and Iran. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. Look at what happened in Iraq. 
Look at what happened in Libya. Look what happened in these countries around the world, even the Sudan. The wars that happened. Here is a new world order, the one world orders. This is their motto. Out of chaos, order. Out of chaos, order. The European Union is central to this. There's your Bilderberger Group, the United Nations. We hear much about it. Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Club of Rome. That's their round table. Thank you for listening. I'm closing here. In Daniel chapter 2, this is the end of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The head of gold, breast and arms of silver, belly of brass, and here the legs of iron. And here he says, I saw a stone cut out without hands. In other words, it wasn't a, a brick made with man's hands. It was cut out of a mountain without hands. Smashes the image upon its feet. Upon its feet. And if you want to see where that actually happens, Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. Verse 11. John writes this. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and treadeth in the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh written, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What is that stone? That stone started because it says in these, the days of these kings, this stone would come. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Israel, 12 sons, 12 tribes. And then right down through, coming from our Lord Jesus Christ, we have here the second coming of Christ and the blood-washed redeemed that will come with the Lord at his return when he sets up his kingdom on the earth. Jesus is coming and he's going to settle the debt. Jesus is coming and Babylon is going to fall. That's what it means when we sing that. I want to see Israel marching. I want to see great Babylon fall. Closing scriptures, what must you do? The Lord Jesus Christ said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 and verse 3. John chapter 3 and verse 5, the Lord Jesus says, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, unless he be born from above. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in John chapter 3 and verse 7, listen to what he says. To, marvel not. And don't be surprised, in other words. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must. Not you might have to. You'll be all right. You must be born again. Are you born again? Are you born of the Spirit? Are you washed in the blood of Christ by faith? Have you had your sins washed away? Do you belong to Christ? Are you watching and ready and waiting for the second coming? The stone that's going to smash all of this system and Christ set up his kingdom upon this earth. Are you ready for his coming? Do you know the last time we were here after the meeting? A lady just came walking right around here. I need to speak to him. I went in there and I pointed her to Christ. 
There's another one here tonight. In fact, it's here tonight. I've just seen her. Going home well with God. There's another one tonight that'll come to Christ tonight. Say, I'm not saved and I'm not ready. It doesn't matter if you're a Protestant or a Catholic or, or an atheist or whatever it may be. This isn't about who you are. This is about Christ and what he's done and what he's accomplished for you. That you can be forgiven tonight. You can know the Savior tonight. You can be ready for the kingdom of God that is coming tonight. And you can give yourself to Christ. Here's the thing about the, the date. Notice that. We're meant to be leaving on the 31st. Bully Boris is messing it up, isn't he? But look at this. The Battle of Britain. What's that got to do with it? BBC News said that this whole Brexit thing was like the Battle of Britain. That's what they said. They showed the planes all flying for the Battle of Britain. The brave men that went out to fight uh, against uh, the Luftwaffe. So they likened it to the Battle of Britain. So I thought about that. Well, you know something? The Battle of Britain is officially ended on the 31st of October, 1940. Officially ended. The war went on to 45. So maybe our Battle of Britain is, now going, is going to end, as it were, on the 31st of October. But I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, no matter whether we're sold down the river or not, we're still going to fight on until the war's finished. Amen. And Christ is returning. We'll still go on. Notice 31st of October... Here's something. People said, it's Halloween. Oh, spooky, you know, Halloween. Ah. Don't celebrate Halloween, by the way. It's, it's Halloween. And I thought about it and I said, no, it's not. 31st of October, 1517, Martin Luther came with 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral in Germany and he nailed them to the door saying, the just shall live by faith of the Protestant Reformation. 31st of October. It's a strange date, isn't it? Maybe there's something on it. Maybe there's not. But nevertheless, Article 50. Revoke Article 50. Revoke Article 50. Listen, 50 in the scriptures is a year of jubilee. Is a year of jubilee. You need to pray, Christian. You need to stay faithful. Listen, don't you think here, you know what they're wanting you to do? They're wanting you to win. They're wanting you to throw the hands up and say, you know, that's all right. Just put us in this customs union. It's only for, it's only for the goods. That's what they said when they formed it. That's what they said when they formed it. Friends, brothers and sisters, I say this with all the sincerity and love in my heart. I hate no man. I've done my bit and I've been hated for preaching these things. I've been lambasted for preaching them. Online I've been called. I've been ostracized for preaching it. But we'll keep on going for this reason. And for this reason only. Because I want to see Israel marching. I want to see great Babylon fall and Jesus to be glorified you know in Revelation 20 there's a great white throne judgment that says whosoever is not found written in the book of life the lamb the book of life was cast into a lake of fire is your name written in the book of life how do you have your name written in the book of life well you find out it's not that your name's ticked off and it's all listen God already knows you and when you come, your name is already written in the book of life, but you don't know it until you come to Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I trust someone will come to see us tonight and say, I'm not saved. Will you lead me to Christ? Don't care who you are. I really don't care where you're from. 
I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done. We have a great Savior. We have a great God to meet a great need. And he's more than able.